Welcome to the Beyond Success Podcast, a collection of conversations with the best business minds, captains of industry, and entrepreneurs in the world. Learn what their journey has taught them, how they applied the lessons they learned, and ultimately created six, seven, and even eight-figure businesses. We can't create successful businesses by ourselves, so sit back and let the Beyond Success Podcast be your mentor. Now, here's your host, author, entrepreneur, public speaker, and master money manifester, Daniel Mangana. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. We are here recording. That's right. We are recording, which is pretty obvious because you're not listening to this live. Anyway, I've got a special guest today. <laughs> it's the first recording that I'm doing for my podcast of 2021. Isn't that really groovy? How are you feeling about being my first guest for 2021? I am absolutely thrilled to ring in the new year, Dan, and totally honored. Thanks. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the, tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are, something that they're not going to find in the show notes. Uh, okay. That, that's a great uh, question. <laughs> Something they're not going to find in the show notes. Okay. Um, well, they may find, I don't know if they're going to find this in the show notes or not, but uh, I started out as a lawyer in the music industry for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel like even though I'm a coach and mentor and somewhat of a consultant now, my experience then really translated because I was really about relational building. Uh, I was a contract lawyer in the music industry, and most of what I did was helping bring people together to start relationships. And mm-hmm. I learned very early that if you didn't have a win-win approach to negotiation, which most people don't. Um, that what ends up happening is that the parties walk away and they don't feel very good about working together after that. And I was watching relationships blow up from negotiation over and over again. And it had a huge impact because I am such a relational person. And so fast forward to today and what I do, and I truly believe that as entrepreneurs, especially service-based entrepreneurs, which is who I work with, that it's all about the relationship that you have with your ideal client. And when we nurture that relationship, when people really trust us, when we show our authenticity and sincerity, you know, we can build a brand uh, that helps us stand out from the crowd. How is that? (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So let's just dive in a little bit on this. Um, The law. I know a couple of people who have been in the law and trans- moved over to other things. One of my mentors, Nick, who now's in, he makes film now. You know, he got into the law because his parents are like, you know, get that you're creative and you want to, <laughs> you want to do creative things, but um, you know, have something under your belt first. Did you go to the law because that's something that you wanted to do, or is it something that um, that just made sense to do? 
Oh, I so repeated, Nick, like I relate to what you just said. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I originally went to college. And I was a psych major and I'm a very eclectic thinker. Even mm -hmm. now, people will say to me, I get asked all the time, like, who are your biggest influences? Who are your teachers? And I'm like, I pull from this and that and this and that. Like, there's no one person that I can point to. It, it's such, you know, for me, my my mentors have been sort of vast and general and I felt the same way about psychology. So I became really disenchanted with the idea that you have to pick one school of thought and be whether you're a behavioralist or a Jungian or, or, you know, and, you know, and I wasn't feeling it. And so I switched my major and um, became a business major and was really unhappy with that. Dropped all my classes in the six, you know, that quarter and that, I guess, uh, semester. And then they started a new program at my school called Legal Studies. And it was really about legal history. And there were only two pre-law classes. Mm -hmm. And the pre-law classes were uh, both a mock trial and an appellate trial. And I, I won both. Mm -hmm. But what I was really interested in was the fact that I had professors that told the truth. And mm -hmm. I was totally enamored with the truth. And I've been a truth seeker since, really since then, since I understood that there's a deeper truth that's going on that people aren't really talking about. And I wanted to be a college history professor. And I got a ton of pressure from my parents to go to law school that I'd fall out of the ivory tower. And I essentially followed their agenda. And it took me till I created a level of like radical success. I was the executive vice president of the largest independent music company in the world at the time, you know, earning mid six figures. I had like totally arrived in terms of where I was in the music industry, but never more miserable. Mm. And in the process of that, I realized that part of the reason I was getting so physically ill was because I wasn't living my purpose. I was living somebody else's agenda. And I literally walked away without having a plan of what I was going to do next, which I do not recommend. Mm -hmm. Fortunate that I had a really deep financial runway, which which did run out, but uh, it allowed me to figure out what I really wanted to do. Brilliant. So in your instance, you had the scope to kind of, how do I word this? You had a bit more freedom and leeway to go out and choose to do something different because you had your stuff together, basically. Yeah, yeah. But you know, what's really interesting about that is that a lot of my colleagues, when I told them I was walking away from it, a lot of them expressed sort of envy at the fact that I would just do that because they had created this lifestyle based on their income. Mm -hmm. And they often were the primary income earners in their family as I was. And they couldn't imagine like giving that up for a level of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so even though that was true, I didn't realize how courageous an act it really was until much later when I became a coach and mentor and saw how few people were really willing to take that kind of risk you know i had a conversation with someone this weekend um someone's actually one of my programs and i was she was saying oh you know um, i'm not as active in the program as i want to be you know i'm still working on getting my my signing come together so that i can have more time and i was like but dude there are people that have the time that don't actually even show up my reason for bringing this up is I think sometimes when we're on our journey as entrepreneurs, we don't understand how much gusto it takes to even step into doing that 
to step away from being spoon fed by an employer, right? And to mm-hmm. to take that lunge, that leap into being self-dependent, self-reliant, because not many people do that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really, really great point, Dan, because in the process, you know, of, I mean, it's one of the reasons I really love working with entrepreneurs is because so many other patterns, limiting beliefs, the inner fraud being one of them, that's huge for a lot of entrepreneurs that that come up because all of a sudden you're not getting that steady paycheck anymore. And as you said, you're completely self-reliant. And when that happens, you know, I, I have had clients who have had very successful corporate careers and then they get into entrepreneurship and they're like, why is this so challenging? <laughs> I'm like, Be- because it's you. It's, it's mm-hmm. all about you. You are your business. This isn't about you just doing this fantastic job for somebody else and you shining and getting a paycheck. This is all about you, you putting yourself out there. And as a result, it, it makes it far more challenging because of the beliefs that come up, because we don't have steady streams of income, because there's a level of uncertainty and discomfort in entrepreneurship that you use the word gusto, but I I would say a a certain amount of of courage and tenacity that's Mm -hmm. really required uh, to have longevity in it Mm -hmm. and success. I'm with you. I mean, you've you've touched on the point that I want to to wing into before we talk a bit more about what you do and and, and how you help people. Um, It's the idea that people don't recognize how much, how how many different pieces need to come together to make it work. Mm, Yes. You know, they don't really acknowledge that hey, yeah, I was great in the corporate world and I had my skills base and all that kind of good stuff. But there's more to it than that. Yes, (laughs) yes, it's so true. I I have had clients who I've worked with who have had a lot of success in the corporate world. They're highly skilled, but they don't really understand business, Mm. right? And so essentially what they've created is a hobby. Um, Right, because <laughs> they don't really understand business. They don't have the business acumen, the business skills, the foundational pieces that are required for a successful business. And honestly, I've worked with people who have half a million dollar businesses, and I still find that that the reason that they're not scaling is because those foundational pieces aren't dialed in. Mm-hmm. And once they're dialed in, it allows them to scale like so much easier because they have a solid foundation. Otherwise their business is built like on a house of cards. So, so you can have a certain amount of success and then get to like this point where it's just like, mm, why isn't this? Mo- I mean, I had one client, for example, digital marketer, mm-hmm. half a million dollar business, stuck at that level for three or four years. He'd spent over $200,000 on business coaching and came to work with me in the process mm-hmm. and work with some very, very high name you know, people trying to mm-hmm. get his business to move beyond that number. And one of the things that we did was really help him hone in on who his ideal client is pretty basic. Mm-hmm. And, and he had a lot of mindset issues that were going on as well. But in one month, he had more organic leads <clears throat> excuse me, than in the entire year before, before he even launched his marketing plan, just because he had so much clarity. Mm. And clarity is, 
clarity, I think, is one of those things that gets overlooked and underlooked at the same time. Like I see people that think, oh, as long as I find my niche, everything's going to be okay. But knowing your niche doesn't actually connect you with your, with your niche. It doesn't, That's true. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you're going to going to get it. And then you get those who oh under like they don't acknowledge the clarity that comes from just serving a specific type of person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's often because, you know, people are afraid to that they're um, that they're going to limit who that they won't have as many people show up because they've limited their niche. They've niched down. And in the process of that, there's this real fear that they're going to leave so many other people out, which couldn't be further from the truth. Like, you know, if, if you're trying to serve everyone, then ultimately you're serving no one because no one knows you're really trying to serve them. And so it is really helpful for people to gain that level of clarity. And then, as you said, understand how to access them to <laughs> right because you don't otherwise you don't really have a business i mean i've had this a couple of times and i think one of my linkedin lives i've even spoken about this that you know i've found time and time again the question of niching i think niching basically it's end up getting bastardized a little bit because you get people that are sort of and i'm not knocking anybody's hassle but you know they're selling ten thousand dollar programs just to help you find a niche and then they leave you there with a niche until oh when right. you find a niche everything's going to be okay so then you get people that end up getting a bit wounded because maybe they did find a niche and they did actually find their niche, but then we're left kind of holding a niche-shaped baby <laughs> to feed it, right? Uh-huh. And so they come and say, oh, niching doesn't work. And then they end up either walking away from who could be the ideal person for them to serve or not going any further with it because they've ended up sort of being scarred by that. Does that yes. make sense? That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I, I actually find, you know, it, I don't really love calling myself a coach because there's such a low bar for coaching in the coaching <laughs> and And I really have issue with that. So, you know, for me, it's really I, so many clients come to me because they've tried so many other programs and often high end programs. And, and they're, you know, they're, as you said, they're wounded. They're feeling like, oh my God, I invested in this, in this program. I invested in this person and I really didn't get what I bargained for. And I mean, that's Mm. happened to me for sure in Mm. so many different programs that I've been in where I've spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in coaching and not gotten what I invested in Mm. uh, or for. And so I, I, I totally understand that. And then I also see a lot of this idea of kind of one size fits all. Mm. I created my business using this strategy and this strategy will work for everyone, despite the fact that you're a completely different person, have a completely different past, serve a completely different audience and have a completely different business. Mm. And it's like, wait a minute, how do we then apply that to each individual unique business without having this cookie cutter, you know, experience? Because that doesn't work either. And it Mm. might work for like 10, 15% of people who join the program. (laughs) But, you know, then you're looking at the other 85 to 90% who aren't getting the benefit of that. But, you know, again, we're coming down to this whole thing of, um, what makes success, right? Mm-hmm. Niche alone doesn't make success. Nope. Um, having a great idea alone doesn't make success. Having an audience to speak to doesn't alone make success. It's like they're different components. It's like a lot of the work, you know, when I'm talking to people about alignment and I'm saying, 
you know, all the, the best mindset in the world isn't going to help you if you're not able to hold the emotional resonance of the amount of abundance you want to receive, or you don't have an online strategy. You don't have yeah. the best strategy in the world. If you don't believe it's going to work for you, then it's not going to work. Right. right. So, right. so right. you know, recognizing the holistic nature of life and success, I think can be pretty powerful in supporting people actually creating success. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And and you and I are very congruent in that because, you know, I, I, I know it's thrown around a little bit in the coaching industry, but truly 80% of success is psychology and then 20% is the mechanics. And so both are necessary. Both are really important. And you really can, you could have the perfect strategies and you can even be quote unquote, executing them well. Mm-hmm. But if you don't believe it, if you have a belief that, you know, all of a sudden, if you, um, you know, I don't know, maybe your belief is that, you know, wealthy people are greedy or they're bad or money is evil in some way. And those are, you know, bigger beliefs, not, not, I mean, there's a lot of little ones that are driving people, which is like, I'm really not good enough. I don't really deserve to be paid that much money. Um, Who does anybody really want what I have to offer? And a lot of those beliefs are really insidious. You know, they, most people, they're in the subconscious mind. Most people are not really aware that they're going on and actually creating their success or lack thereof. So, Mm. you know, that's, that's really for me, it's, it's both and both pieces, Mm. as you say, people are holistic. And, you know, once I start having people really work on themselves, we'll look at other parts of their lives too. How are they showing up in other parts of their lives? Because, you know, if, if you're married and you're having issues with your spouse, if you don't think that's impacting your business growth, then, you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So it's really important to look how how are we showing up in each of our parts of our lives because we are a holistic person we're not a separate mother or father <laughs> or a separate husband or wife and a separate business owner we are a person who's doing all of those things who takes on all of those roles so for me there's that alignment that you're speaking of is really key of of aligning who you're being in each of those areas of your life who you're being and are you a match a vibrational match for the frequency of of what you want your business to look like exactly exactly but then you know I just want to, you know, because we've started to slide into my favorite area of woo-woo right now a little bit with vibration. But, you know, you even get people that sell, you know, you go on YouTube for long enough looking at the right type of video. You're going to get a million and one people saying, you know, you're going to reset your money vibration, get the energy of money and everything's going to open up. It's like (laughs) vibrational alignment doesn't equate to receivership. It just opens up the door and allows the possibility of actually connecting to it. Yes. You know, the law of attraction, people like to talk about law of attraction, which generally in terms of its understanding is normally a description of the law of vibration. It doesn't say that it's coming. It says that it can come. Then we have to stack on other pieces like making a cake, you know, you can't have a cake without flour, but flour alone. Is, right. It's right. Right. not going to make a cake, uh, but be sure to have your flour <laughs> and the other pieces in order to have your delicious calorie loaded cake. So. Yeah. Way. And then there's also like when I love the cake analogy, because then there's also like, okay, how are you following the recipe? Are you putting the eggs in after you're putting it in the oven? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, is like that gonna work? No. So so it's I've heard not about only- not putting the eggs, but I've never I've never thought of you know baking it first and then putting the eggs on top. Right, so right. But yet people, kind of people do that in business in, in so many different ways where they don't mm-hmm. really follow, you know, the recipe. Mm. Uh, and and so you know, I like to, yeah, I'm totally woo, there's no doubt about it, Dan. But I mm. also like to look at everything that I do from a scientific perspective and everything mm-hmm. that I do, I can back up from quantum physics to neuroscience to neurobiology. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's all in, you know, and, and science is the language of mysticism in many ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the problem with the law of attraction, which is only one piece, one only one small piece of universal law, is mm-hmm. that, as you said, it makes people think, okay, if I'm in alignment, then all of a sudden it's coming to me. And there's a certain amount of that that's true. Synchronicities do start showing up. Mm-hmm. But, but largely, it happens also because you're taking more inspired action. Mm. Right. And that's really the key is inspired and consistent action. Mm. And so I know a lot of people like one of the things that I help people do is work significantly less, scale their businesses and work significantly less. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people have this belief that you have to work really hard to succeed. I think it's one of the biggest myths in business that you have to work really hard to succeed. And I'm not Mm. saying that it doesn't take consistent effort. It absolutely does. But for example, if you're stressed out, right? If you're living in in stress, that means you're releasing the hormones of stress into your body. They're they're dumping into your body and you know, you're in essentially fight or flight. And the only thing that you can see in front of you is the thing that's causing the stress. You can't see mm-hmm. anything else. So all of these other opportunities, all of this other inspiration and creativity and higher levels of intelligence that you can tap into, you can't tap into because you're you're dumping these hormones of stress into your body. And so even just moving into more, you know, neutral or even flow states helps you know what action to take so that you're not just busy, right? Because busy mm. doesn't really get the job done. It's it's income producing productive work that gets mm-hmm. action, that gets the job, you know, that moves you to that next level of success. And so I see way too many entrepreneurs entrepreneurs that are really busy and are taking a lot of action, but it's action that is, is sort of coming from fear of like, I have to push my way to that success because it won't happen otherwise, Mm -hmm. rather than that inspired and intelligent action. Um, You know, one of the things that I really, really jizzy jazzed about, like jizzy jazzed about (laughs) is the fact that you've (laughs) Totally. Is the fact that you're you're reminding us that at the at, at the end of the day, if something cannot be explained, then it's 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 not real. And if it's not real, it's highly unlikely anything's gonna come from it. One of the modalities that I'm a, a certified instructor for is something called reality transurfing. And um, Vadim Zeeland, the creator of reality transurfing, he's got a line in one of his books that says, you know, you can tell when something's BS because it's too complicated for someone to be able to explain it. Mm. <laughs> like when something's real, it doesn't require these, you know, stupidly long and complex and complicated explanations. It's just not necessary. You know, when something's simple, it's straightforward. Like you said, don't put the egg in after. Right. right. <laughs> follow, follow the recipe. And if the if it's not a recipe that can be followed, then what's the point? You know, you can someone who's never been in a kitchen before wanting to go and do one of those masterclasses by a Michelin star chef and thinks that they're going to open up a restaurant the next day, 
kind of deluding yourself. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. Everything's possible. But there's a difference between possibility and probability. And I think sometimes we get lost in that because of the the sexiness of stuff like oh, my vibration and my niche or I've got the latest funnel and all of this kind of stuff. Instead of recognizing all of that has to come together in a way that you can actually, <laughs> a recipe you can actually follow in yeah. a language that you actually speak that has instructions that you have the instruments for. If you don't have an oven, you're not going to be able to do this anyway. If you don't have a cake tin, you're not going to be able to do this anyway. I think sometimes getting the right support, coming to people like yourself, getting the right support will actually enable people to actually move forward and actually do something. I love that. I love that. I actually think that that's absolutely true. You know, one of my favorite sayings is you can't read the label from inside the jar. Mm. So you don't know what you don't know. And hiring somebody who's been there, who's helped other people do it is, is really, I think the key. I mean, one of the only reasons to, you know, hire coaches and mentors is, is to collapse time right? Mm. Time is the only finite resource we have. And, and it can, you can allow it to take you years, but if it can take you months instead, because you're working with an expert, why wouldn't you do that? Exactly. You know, and, and when we are, you know, business owners, we are our business. So the return on investment and investing in yourself like that is tremendous. It's huge. Mm. And most people think of it as they don't think of it as an investment. They think of it as, um, you know, uh, a cost. And Mm. I feel like the cost is not doing it (laughs) because it's an actual investment in the business. But, but going back to something that you said, because I do think that, there's a part of me that believes a little bit that if you you don't necessarily see everything because part of entrepreneurship is, is not just following the recipe. There's an art and there's a science to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so the science part is the recipe part of it, but then there's an, also an art for understanding like what resonates with your clients, like having to try different things to see, does this message work or does that message work or, or what, what are they really into? Is this what they really want? If I tweak it this way, well, that work. And, and so there's, there is a part of an art to, to entrepreneurship and connecting, you know, our business to the world that isn't just totally cookie cutter, which can't totally be taught. Now you can have a mentor help you understand, you know, what works, what doesn't, how to try different things, what different things they should try. But again, part of that to me is, is the art of business. You know, there's something that actually comes from from this, that, uh, th- th- and that's this separation between creating an outcome in our business and creating an outcome in any other part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that creating an outcome is creating an outcome, whether it's in our relationships, in our health in our business, in our personal finances, it's still creating an outcome. And the laws of the universe don't change based on what you're creating. They stay the same. So when we go down this thing of, oh, you know, I'm creating a business, so I've got to do it this way. No, it's still still creating. Creating requires art and science. Life Mm -hmm. is the masculine and the feminine of the push and the pull, the creation and the allowance that actually both are coming together to create. They come together to create and it's them coming together to create that allows us to actually have the experience. And unless we're actually prepared to honor 
both sides of that. You know, this is going back to universal law, talking about the law of gender. It's masculine and feminine, that energy coming together that allows to create or birth a new outcome. Yes. The law of gestation also comes in there too, giving yes. it time to actually, because nothing in nature happens naturally, right? But we want instant wealth and success. We want instant millions without actually going through the process of A, aligning the masculine and feminine energy of art and science, push and pull, um, not um, um, honoring the gestation period, allowing things to actually grow and not being prepared to go through the birthing process, which sometimes can be uncomfortable. But all of these things, what happens naturally in nature happens naturally in life. Any outcome that we want to create in our life that we want to do in a natural way is going to follow that, follow that too. Oh, I love that conversation. I really do. Because it's one of the things that I, I work with my clients on is balancing those um, sort of masculine and feminine polarities, because each of us have masculine feminine energy, whether you're a man or you're a woman, you have masculine and feminine energy. And, you know, it for me, it's also one of the ways I describe it, you, you described it as push and pull, and I describe it as hustle and flow. Mm-hmm. You know, of knowing when to be in the flow of it and how to get yourself into flow and knowing when to hustle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that um, there's our society tends to be more from a wounded masculine perspective rather than a healthy masculine perspective. Mm-hmm. And so tends to be really focused in certain ways on winning at all costs and, mm-hmm. you know, go, 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 push, 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 do, do, do constantly. And that my experience of people who do that, and I'm, I've been one of them is that mm-hmm. it just causes overwhelm, burnout, um, you know, illness, it causes relationships to implode and, you know, ill health, just all kinds of things that, that come as a result of being out of balance of those two and understanding when should one lead and, you know, when should one and take, you know, second chair, sort of play the tambourine instead. <laughs> um, right. So, um, so I really appreciate that conversation because I think that that is what really helps people scale of learning how, um, you know, to ride the wave of those two things together to really make them work together because, you know, the yin and the yang, they don't work without each other. We need them both, but knowing mm. which one to lead when is really helpful. And, and I work with a lot, I would say probably, you know, 60% of my business is women, maybe 65% is women. And what I experience with high achieving women in particular is they totally, um, they've totally strapped one on essentially, right? And, <laughs> and, and, and they, they're in their dominant masculine energy. And not only is it emasculating in relationships, and it may work to a certain extent in business, but, but they've forsaken those feminine qualities that actually make us women who we are and Mm -hmm. and actually really does help in business. And we've been, you know, often led to believe that those qualities are actually weak, but they're not, you know, intuition, Mm. feelings, wisdom, you know, those are all parts of of the innate feminine that are really important in business. And the more that we can embrace them, the more that we can have that balance in that energy, the more success, sustainable success that we can have. I love that because I think we're coming back to the thing I said earlier about, you know, everything follows nature and everything in life, you know, follows the same universal law. And it's the balance between the masculine and feminine and being out or being in the the toxic uh, expression 
or the disempowering expression of those things can be, it's going to throw you off. Someone being too masculine or being too feminine, there's not going to be that balance of masculine and feminine energy to create. Yes. Um, Yes. And I know some people will like to quote, well, I know this person, you know, he hasn't done anything except for just meditate. And, you know, he's, he's created all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Or I know this woman, you know, she, she has been out there and dominated and she's had success and she's got this and she's got that. I think this really starts to come down to the work of Wallace D. Wattles in the differentiation he made between the competitive plane and the creative plane in his book, yes. The Science of Getting Rich. Yes. Because he says that both of them can work. Yeah, they can work. But where are you going to be at the end of the day? Yeah, to me, it's one of the, you know, like when you were talking about birthing, I love birthing as an analogy because, you know, somebody was talking to me about continually expanding and I was like, okay, can you continually exhale without inhaling? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the idea in birthing is there are contractions and there are contractions for a reason because they allow more expansion on the other side of that contraction. Mm -hmm. So, so both are, are, are needed, both the contraction and the expansion are both needed, you know, in, in growth. So mm. I, I totally believe you, uh, you know, believe what you're saying. It resonates deeply with me because the truth is, is one of the only failures that I see that people can have in business is creating a profitable business, creating a tremendous amount of success in business, but not having a life, not having the relationships, mm. not having anything else to enjoy it. Mm. That to me is failure. Mm. You know, what's the purpose of, of having that kind of level of success if, if you don't aren't able to really enjoy it, if you don't have people in your life to enjoy it with, if you don't have your health? Mm. Right. So so the the idea of building it all simultaneously and sustainably is key to create long term, you know, longevity legacy in in mm. business. You know, another thing that's sort of tingling my spidey senses now is that thing about money is an energy that just facilitates more. Choice. I mean, I had this a lot, especially when I came out of the gate and really focused on on the money side of things and helping people create more abundance. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, you're sold out. You know, <laughs> you know you're saying money is the most important thing. What about other things? You know, like, no, I'm not saying money is the most important thing, but try living life without having any money yes. yes try living a fulfilled life without having any money now does that mean that you're not going to be able to live a fulfilled life without any money no but the choices that are going to be available to you to be able to live a more fulfilled life with more choice to enjoy more of the things that do contribute to the enjoyment of life i'm not talking about happiness because happiness should be independent of people places and things but enjoyment adventure more creative expression, um, being free from stress. For sure. All of these things are just easier when you have your money game together, right? For sure, for but sure. if you're just focusing on that and there's no follow-on in terms of the application and the use of that, money for money's sake is a very useless thing, right? Right. If it's money for legacy. If it's money to be able to enjoy more stuff, to to give and share with others and to add. To, now we're, we're, we're going somewhere. So when I'm working with people, for example, we don't start at the money. We start at what we want our life to look like. And then we look to set goals about what we're going to create financially to support us having the choice in having that life. Yes. That's where the magic is. 
It, it is really where the magic is. And one of the things that I help my clients do is create money freedom. And there's two, mm-hmm. there's two aspects to me of money freedom. There's having enough money in your bank account to have those fulfilling experiences like you were just talking about. But then a lot of people, you know, no matter how much money they have, this is true for billionaires as well, will never feel like they have enough or afraid they're going to lose it. Like that's not mm-hmm. freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, like the idea of always having to accumulate more because you may not ever have enough. That's scarcity. That's total mm-hmm. scarcity mindset. And so money freedom comes in two forms. It comes with having sufficient money to be able to be at choice, to do the things that you want to do when you want to do them as often as you want to do them, mm-hmm. as well as to feel free with it. Mm-hmm. Right? To have that sense of freedom so that essentially more money is happening almost on its own, like because you're doing your thing, not mm-hmm. because you're living in a scarcity mindset of feeling like I have to keep accumulating more because I don't have enough. You know, one of my, I think oh, I mentioned Nick already, <laughs> my mentor Nick, um, he, he did an interview of Richard Branson. And Richard Branson is one of the richest people in the world. He's a billionaire, right? You know, I know he's yep. definitely one of the top five last time I checked in the UK richest people but if you've got billions you've got billions right let's just you're doing your numbers and he said to Nick that you know one of his things in life that he's always trying to do too much and not got enough money this is a billionaire right right (laughs) right yeah yeah that's exactly what I'm talking about Dan is like it's almost irrelevant, almost. I mean, when, you, when you're living and you don't really know how you're going to pay your bills, I would say, you know, there's some, some real scarcity there. Mm. But, but generally speaking, for most people, the scarcity that they're experiencing is not in their bank account, it's in their minds. And, and when you can shift to an abundance mindset, when you shift to really understanding that you really have everything you need and that the universe won't give you more of what you don't believe you have anyway. <laughs> so, so have gratitude for what you have and then Mm. you'll be blessed with more Mm. uh, or not even care if you have more and that's often Mm. when it comes is when you don't really care if you have more that's Mm. when real true satisfaction and fulfillment comes because otherwise you're just chasing the money monster Mm. and chasing the money monster (laughs) the money monster never ever ever It's never satiated. It always no. wants more. It's it's a black hole yes. because it's going back. It's like reversing to infinity. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's, so it's like, okay, you set a goal. You want to make a million dollars. You make a million dollars. Then you get to the million dollars and you're like, okay, now I want two mm-hmm. or three or four or 10, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so no matter what number that is, whether it be a hundred grand or, you know, a hundred million, it doesn't really matter because the, there's, there's a place where if you're not feeling satiated, if you're not feeling satisfied and fulfilled, because that's an inside job and no mm-hmm. outside thing is going to give that to you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not experiencing that, that sense of fulfillment, you'll always have that lack. You'll always feel like something's missing from your life. I love it. What's one of your favorite ways to support people, one of your favorite types of people to support? So the people listening in that have no undoubtedly had the grooviest of times sort of hanging out with, you, with us today <laughs> and want to find out more about what you're doing, what, what, what kind of people are you, are you really connecting with? 
Yeah, I I tend to work with um, you know founders and CEOs of um, who earn six plus figures and mm-hmm. are looking to scale their business. Generally, work less. Not all my clients are working all the time, but a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, want a way to be able to scale their business again sustainably mm-hmm. in a way that supports their overall lifestyle and create time freedom. Um, and money freedom. So mm-hmm. those are the people who are my people service based businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's my jam. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. And best way to connect with you is we're going to pop way- some stuff in the show notes, but just for people that are sort of listening as they're going along. Yeah, sure. There's there's two great ways, well, three great ways to really connect with me. Um, one is through my website, which is www.elenaschwartz.com. Mm-hmm. And then there is, if people want to email me directly, um, I would love to offer people like your audience, you know, I have five free openings of just like a half an hour, no pitch session of just talking about next steps. So if you Mm -hmm. are my ideal client and you just want to get a sense of either me or just want some additional clarity, happy, happy to offer that. And the best way to do that would be to reach out to me at support at elenaschwartz.com. And finally, if you want to learn more about me, I am on all social media, but I hang out on LinkedIn in particular and release a ton of content, really valuable content on LinkedIn. A lot of the podcasts that I'm on are on there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, you can find me, you know, Elena Schwartz on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Well, we'll be sure to get people some links for those bits and pieces. It's been absolutely fantabulous hanging out with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been really great. Um, guys, be sure to go and check out the website and all the debris. I can say from personal experience that it's just fun having a chat with this amazing woman. Be sure to get yourself booked in and get some of that goodness. As always, if this has been an episode that served you, and I'm sure it has, do yourself the service of bringing some light into someone else's life by sharing it with them. Uh, as always, you can catch uh, me over at dreamwithdan.com. Always uh, happy to hear from you guys and see how we can continue to serve you with this content. Till next time, keep dreaming your eyes open and remember you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Beyond Success Podcast. We hope that it has been of service to you. For more information and to stay up to date with the latest from Daniel Mangena, please head over to dreamwithdan.com. We'll see you for the next one.